Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Dale Luganbill here with the Full Scale Outdoors podcast. Thanks for joining. Before we get to this episode, I haven't bugged you for a while, so quit your bitching. But thebeardstruggle.com, if you want to get some kick-ass beard products, I use them, I love them, and uh, I can save you a little bit of ching if you're already buying them somewhere. Just check it out, thebeardstruggle.com. Um, they got the elixir, they got the bombs, they got shampoos, they got beard straighteners, they got the heat spray, they got bags, they got combs, they got it all. Eh, go on to the beard struggle. I'm not quite sure why this is turning in like this, but it is. So anyways, yeah, beardstruggle.com. Use code FULLSCALE15 at checkout. Save yourself 15% off, and you'll help out the show. So thank you very much for that. That is thebeardstruggle.com. Calm. Uh, yeah, that's it. That's all I'm going to give you. And uh, let's get into this episode. On today's episode, as we're getting into hunting season here, uh, bear hunting. I wanted to get a bear hunting episode on. And uh, thanks to my buddy Mike. He kind of facilitated this whole thing. He got to sit in as a, a co, co-host or co-guest. I would say co-host because he actually ask some questions so i'll go ahead and give him the title of co-host for this one uh so thanks for setting this up mike uh but i got from wisconsin black bear guide service which is like it's such a kick-ass name because it's like it's it's one of those names like it's so it's it's simple but it's everything if you google bear hunting in wisconsin this is what's going to come up so that's pretty awesome but his name is um, joe kalman hopefully i didn't screw that up joe but he was a cool dude I really appreciate him taking his time out of his extremely busy bear baiting schedule as we as we edge up to September 1st, or the, I think the 5th is when it opens in Wisconsin. Um, but anyways, he's very he's very busy. So uh, we drove, we actually drove up there. It's like three hours one way, sat down, recorded. Uh, Mike and I fished for a few hours and just headed straight back just so that we could get this one on the books. And uh, I'm super glad we did. So... Let's get to it. This is the Full Scale Outdoors podcast with Joe Kalman from Wisconsin Black Bear Guide Service. Oh, here we go, boys. Go. Oh, I love that sound. a good one.
recording at bear camp. Excellent. This is my first time. Nah, you know what? It's not my first time at a bear camp. You know my first time at a bear camp was, Michael? Couldn't tell you. Working for Woody's. Oh, up in uh, Ash River? That's right. Yep. I'm like Kevin Togum at the uh, Nova Project. Yep. Because uh, Ash Trail Lodge was turned into bear camp during bear season. Gotcha. It's also the first time I, I actually ate bear meat. Interesting. It's pretty good. I like it. I believe it. So we're here with Joe. You got Joe. You got like the best bear hunting guide name, like ever. <laughs> Black Bear Guide. Yeah, Wisconsin <laughs> Black Bear Guide Service. Yeah, I figured if nobody could remember that, I couldn't help them. So that's perfect. On the way up here, I was talking to Mike. I did a early on in the podcast. I did a I did one with a fishing guide around St. Cloud area, Minnesota. And he, right when the internet was kind of getting going, he went out and he got his website and it's Minnesota fishing or Minnesota guide service.com. Like you son of a bitch. <laughs> you don't need any keywords. You're like, and that's the same thing. Like right. black bear guide service. Like that's what you're going to put in Google. Right. And then you're going to come up like that's genius. Yep. Oh, see, I, I want to hunt you. in Wisconsin and I want to hunt bears. Yeah. And I'm looking for a guide. Exactly. All those words are right son there. Son of a. Yeah, so yeah, I go something catchy like full scale outdoors. That does not come up, by the way, when people go fishing guide service in Minnesota. That's like the 88th page at the bottom. <laughs> yeah, that's what happened. Actually, uh, my guide service was called Mount Whittlesey Guide Service, but I had so many people couldn't spell it right. It wouldn't. It wouldn't come up for them. So I said, "Well, I decided to change it and put it to Wisconsin Blackbird Guide Service. That way, I figured I'm covered now." So what yeah. was it? Mount Whittle Seed? M- Mount Whittle Sea. Oh, Mount Whittle Sea. Is that like? That's right behind us here. A hill over here somewhere. A, a great big hill. Yeah, it's the second <laughs> second highest hill in Wisconsin. So, Not and since the much. camp was close to that, I figured I'd name it that. But yeah, then I reversed it back and and uh, went to Wisconsin Black Bear Guide Service. Well, I think Black Bear Guide Service is about perfect. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I think there's probably a lot of. Wisconsin Black Bear Services that wish they had that name. (laughs) Pretty much wraps that all up. (laughs) How long have you been doing it? Uh, I've been doing it uh, about 27 years now. So... And I, then bear hunting just for yourself before that? Oh. Has this been a... Is this a family thing? Well, no. My dad actually wasn't a hunter. A lot of it I learned on my own, but... um, No, I was hunting bear when I was in high school. So 16, 17 years old i'm 54 now so kind of fell into guiding by accident i had a i had an older lady ask me if i'd help a fellow out and he was staying at her lodge and i didn't really have a bait set up for bear uh but i said yeah i had a bear coming into my deer stand and it was bear season i said he, he could maybe get a crack at that one well, and he did, and I helped him get it out. Well, come to find out, he worked for Harley Davidson out of Milwaukee. Well, he went back and told his friends, and pretty soon I had people calling me to help him set up for bear, and that's kind of how I got started, actually. So I've always been around it, but I didn't do it for money back then. I just It was just something that I learned through the years. Sure. And so what got you into bear hunting back then? If your dad didn't do it, I mean... I always liked hunting. I mean, I did my deer hunting and, and grouse hunting and some ducks and geese. Um, that's back when you could actually get a tag over the counter. Now things are a lot different now. You have to 
apply for preference points. So that's six to eight years. You get one point a year. Uh, I believe it's $4.50 a point. Um, and you can get that on the Go Wild site, on the Wisconsin DNR site. And you have to apply before December 10th of every year for that point to be applied for the, the following year. That Go Wild system, though, that you have in Wisconsin is pretty uh, – that's nice. Yeah. Minnesota needs to adopt that. Yeah. You get the card. You just load that card with your licenses every year. You don't have to keep printing out bullshit. Right. License. I mean – Yeah. So easy to lose those printed out licenses. Minnesota. Get them destroyed. Get on it. Yeah. I mean – Yeah. Minnesota was one of the last ones where you could even buy a license online, even for a fishing license. You had to go to a freaking vendor and get it. It's mm-hmm. like, are you kidding me? In right. this day and age? Yeah. yeah. I still have to go get an actual license? Come on, man. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Get your shit together. Yeah. But they did. They do. Now you can buy licenses online. But that, that card, that's nice. Yeah. You don't have to fold it up, put it in your, like... Goes yeah. through the wash. Well, as soon you know, as you like, put it in your wallet, all that print is wiped oh, yeah. off those plastic that's things just, right away. Right. That's right. just dumb. Yeah. yeah. There, there's a better system, and so I'll have to give Wisconsin credit for that. They at least came up with a good system, licensing system anyways. Yeah. How hard is it to get drawn? So how the preference points. Like if somebody who's never applied for a bear permit in this zone, they wanted to hunt like what are they realistically how long are they going to have to apply well they're going to have to wait probably anywhere from six to eight years in that order long. to get a tag yeah wow so how that works like, that's like western big game hunting almost like yeah. that's like well it's getting to be um when they first introduced the preference point system i think there was like three thousand or four thousand applicants that applied for a point now they're close, I believe they're close to 140,000. So how that works is you apply for a point uh, before December 10th. And on the site, it'll ask you if you want to apply for uh, a tag or a preference point. Well, I always tell everybody when you start getting like to four years, and if you have the time to go the following year to bear hunt, you can apply for a bear tag. And if you don't get it, it's not like you lose any of your points. They just simply add another preference point to your to the mm. ones that you have now. Sure. So there, there's no chance of losing your points. Well, actually, I just Googled Wisconsin bear hunting application. The very first thing that popped up, you must apply for a bear license or preference point at least once every three years to avoid losing your accumulated preference points. Well, that's, yeah, that's so as true. long as you continually reapplying, you won't lose your points. But if you take a break in there... You can lose your points. Right. Oh, that's kind of bullshit. Yeah. And that's after three years, correct? Yep. That's the very first thing that popped up, actually. Well, I think part of the reason why they do that Thanks, is... Thanks, Jamie. <laughs> I think the reason why they do that is you have... Um, there's anti-hunters out there. Oh, sure. Yeah, that is a... God. So, so they so apply I for forget about that. They, the they do... That is a trick that they do. They They'll... If there's a limited amount of tags, they'll they try to get them and then not use them. Yeah. Yeah, so they'll apply and then, you know, maybe maybe they feel different about hunting then and they quit doing it, but I think that's... They probably just get bored. And this is, I'm sure they just get all emotionally fired up about it. Go, yeah, I'm going to do that. And they do it for a year or two and then yeah. forget about it. And, then. and I think uh, 
part of it too is if somebody passes away or something, you know, like say you just have a single individual, um, maybe it's a way to kind of keep, keep that in check. Maybe I don't know, but I, I do know that that's part of the reason. Like if with you don't the actually get a tag, then you'll lose it. That, that makes sense. Actually. Yeah. I like that. Cause yeah, that is pretty underhanded. Yeah. They do do that. And They're it's, a, it's, it, I mean, as long as you apply within that three years, I mean, you're not, if you don't apply, say you've been going for five or six years and then you forgot a year or you didn't make the deadline, it's not like they take all your points then. They give you, they give you three years. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, so that's, yeah, I think that's okay. So uh, Wisconsin have like a no quota zone where it's, it's still over the counter because Minnesota has a no quota. Yeah, no, they you get uh, far enough south where it's like, population gets a little higher the human population gets higher so they're like we want to keep like they're just making a bare buffer zone between people and the wilderness pretty much so it's like no quota here go get them because we don't want a lot of them here like they're not trying to preserve the population they're trying to keep it down yeah kind of have a boundary there yeah right that works pretty good no wisconsin across the board it's they have certain allotment for each zone now for 2021, uh, they changed the zones, and I'm going to be all zone A as an apple. I used to be A and D, but they made my zone larger, and they took zone D and they moved it further west. Uh, so from here on out for the next 10 years, I know that I'm going to be in zone A only. So I, I did change that on my website, and... And whatever other verbiage I got out there, I've been just trying to change it up so people don't get confused on that. Um, But they only allow so many tags per unit. And their percentage rate for Wisconsin, for success rate, I I think it's running around 35%. But here at camp, we we average about 85%. That's really good. That means there is a shit ton of bears. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's a high bear density. Yeah. Well, and we put a lot of work into it, too. It's just not two weeks before everybody comes up and you throw a bucket of whatever. Oh, yeah. I, did, I didn't mean that to take away from anything you're doing here, but it's yeah. like that's there's got to be a lot of bears to get just with the nature of bears. I right. Mean, how big their territory is and how much they move and like that's – it's crazy, some of the stories. Then they start getting those tracking studies and see how far some of these – bears move on a daily basis sometimes it's like oh yeah holy crap yeah no they actually caught uh so there was a small farm across from camp here they had some corn it was years ago but they trapped a bear uh live trapped it and they left with that bear at like four o'clock in the afternoon and they brought it to mercer so from from my place, from Camp to Mercer is about 51 miles on the highway. So as the crows flies, I figured it's, it's at least 30 miles. The next afternoon, that same bear was back in the same trap <laughs> the next day. That's so, crazy. <laughs> yeah. That's nuts, dude. That's yeah. just crazy. I love stories like that, though. It's just like the goose hunting thing when you get – I mean, yeah, bands are cool, but I like the story behind the band. Like – and the further it traveled, the better for me. Like, the time we shot one in, like, Rock Creek, and it was banded in Rock Creek. You're like, oh, it's, it's 
yeah. fucking boring. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a band, want, but there's no story, story there. Like, that's stupid. Right. You know, when I shoot right. a Snow Goose band, and I'm like, Nunavut, where the hell is Nunavut? I've never even heard of it. You know, Winchell, Manitoba, where the hell is that? And you pull that up on Google Earth, and you're like, holy shit. Oh, yeah. That bird's done some traveling. So oh, yeah. I got the Wisconsin bear population. In 89, it was 9,000 bears. The most recent current data is estimated at 24,000 bears. 24,000 bears. In Wisconsin. Wow. Well, so you've been doing this for a long time, Joe. What are, what are the, like some of the biggest changes you've seen over the years? Um, and that might be too broad of a question. Let me see if I can narrow that down a little bit. There's the distribution map. When you first made the transition to guiding, like how, how much different was it then than it is now? Well, at least for me, uh, with any kind of guide business, you you kind of go off your repeat customers, and you know, I guess starting out, it was it was a little difficult because uh, my name wasn't out there, and it's the same old adage: it's it's who you know, and if you if you do good work and you do what you say you're going to do, um, and the hunters come and they see that, that reflects back. They bring the word back down south or wherever, and and the word gets around. So definitely starting then to where I am now, um, I've got actually I have a fella coming from uh, Okeechobee, Florida this year, and I've got one coming from Dayton, Ohio, and I've got a couple out of Iowa. Most of the most of the boys I get are from Wisconsin, but um, Colorado. So, yeah, it's starting. Wow, bear hunter coming from Colorado. That seems weird. Yeah. <laughs> well, they have bears in Florida, too. They do. I don't know if they have a season down there, though. Well, I think the one, the the fellow from Colorado, I think what it, what that is is he used to be from Wisconsin. He moved to Colorado. Oh, okay. So, so it's one just, of them home Yeah, things. yeah, he's coming back here. It's He's doing the tradition. Uh, yeah, that's cool, though. Yeah. That's really yeah. cool. As far as, like, um like how the hunting was, like bear numbers, bear size. Have you seen much change over the years? I mean, obviously we looked at, Mike just brought up that how many bears there were in 85 versus today. So there definitely seems to be more bears now, at least than there was in the 80s. Well, I didn't take, I take more people on now than I did when I first started. So that kind of reflects on it a little bit as far as bear numbers and the number of hunters that I had. Well, uh, if, you, if you had to just go with, like, I don't know, maybe this is too hard to quantify, but, like... Um, is the success rate better yeah, than it used to be? Yeah, like your time spent in the woods versus, you know, like what you're seeing and versus, like, what you're shooting, like that kind of thing. Do you just get an overall feeling of, like, was it better back in the day? You know, the gold. You always hear about people talk about the golden days or the good oh. old days of hunting. Are we in the good old days of hunting? I mean, it seems like with those numbers, we ought to be as yeah. far as bears are concerned. No, I was then because I put the time and effort into it and made sure that things worked. You know, that bears were coming into the sites like they should be. I mean, obviously, it's hunting. It's not the Ralph and Vicky show, but uh, <laughs> you know, where you got a half hour show and fifteen minutes of its commercials. And they got right. three bear down. Right? Yeah, there's 12 minutes of actual. Yeah. 
going on. But no, I put the work into it, and the guys were happy that come up. So, I mean, I went from smaller numbers to larger numbers now, but as far as things changing, and I added more territory on too. You know, when I first started, I was just kind of in this kind of smaller bubble, and I worked in that, and then I kind of expanded, and and now... Uh, you know, I, I do hunting on the Bad River Indian Reservation. Um, I cover a lot of ground, so I'm not just hammering on the same spots every year. That makes a big difference. Um, this is private land? A lot, of, lot of private land, some county land, uh, some MFL land. Um, but I got a pretty good rapport with uh, with everyone, Uh even with the Bad River Tribe there with the council members and people that I know that live on the reservation. Um, most of them don't hunt bear. Uh, they kind of leave them alone. And, but they have their problems too up in o- Odana where, you know, they life trap them and they'll move them out. It just, it's all about management. So, I mean, you, you need to kind of keep numbers in check. And people used to ask me, you know, I used to run both zones. Well, which 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 zone has a bigger bear and it's i don't it's not like you're comparing wisconsin to manitoba you know it's (laughs) so but i got questions like that and uh but no i think overall um we just keep getting knowing more and getting better and covering more ground and meeting new people and no it's been a good thing right from the start to now what's um try it there's can't find the words i'm on like four hours of sleep um <laughs> trying to find like trying to get more specific on my questions no i just lost everything where i was going that was perfect maybe we should have started drinking beer i'd have a better <laughs> this is the earliest i've done a podcast what time is it it's like 9 30 9 40 yeah i'm on like four hours of sleep this is perfect this is good this is gonna be a gold star episode no. Um well one one thing I did notice that's different. I mean when I first started there wasn't there wasn't the uh interest in the bear hunting like it is now. Cuz you could buy the tags over the counter. So you know when some something's readily available a lot of people don't put any thought into it, you know, because they know that they can out if they want to hunt next year, they can just get a tag. Well, then when Wisconsin turned over to the preference points, uh, and the tags are a little bit harder to get. That's interesting. I think that draws more people to want wanting to get a tag. God, that seems like it's counterintuitive, well, but it makes sense because humans are just stupid. Well, and you have to make a commitment over yeah, so right, many years right. that, you know, I want to hunt a bear, and it's going to take some planning. So if I'm going to put my foot in, I'm going to jump in with Which both feet. kind of taps into that whole thing, like you can't, the, the, uh, can't have it, so I want it kind of a yeah. thing, you know, the piece of human nature. That's interesting. So you have more demand for hunting now. Oh, without a doubt. That's, that's why you have the wait time now, because when I first started, there was no wait time. Because you didn't have the numbers applying. I mean, you could get a tag. Sometimes you could get the tag in the same year. Most of the time, it only took two years. Now you're talking between six and eight years to get a tag. But you got that many more people applying, wanting to get a bear tag, and there's only so many tags in the state. Right. 
So that's what that boils down to. That's why the wait time is getting longer and longer. The upside on that, at least with Wisconsin, and you, and you buy these preference points, it's only four dollars and fifty cents a point. So yeah, it's not like you're doing a you know twenty thousand dollar sheep hunt in right. Alaska or something. It's like this is right. So if we do the, if we just do easy math, it's a beer at the bar. Yeah, it's five. Let's say five dollars a point, and you wait six years to get a tag. You got a whole thirty dollars invested into it, mm-hmm. and then of course you got to buy your bear license after that. Which I think a non-resident tag right now is around two hundred and forty or two hundred and sixty dollars. That's not bad. No, that's not bad at all. No, not for non-resident fees. No, yeah, that's pretty good. That's not much more than a deer hunting tag in Wisconsin. Non-resident no. deer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's I think that's like pretty standard. Like if you, I can't I can't expect anybody to expect to pay much less than that as a non-resident in any state for anything you know right. hunting wise i mean fishing license usually aren't that expensive but for especially a big game animal but wisconsin has that non-resident first-time buyer program that's true does that apply for so bears too i'm, I'm looking. looking into it that would be pretty cool so you can get that for half price that is another thing that i think wisconsin does a good job at of getting of promoting people to come in their state where they do that if you're a first-time license buyer you get it half off Yep. Yeah. bear hunting license is 251 military bear hunting license is only 49 uh, under 12 years old is only seven bucks for non-resident that's pretty sweet well let's get into the the actual hunting aspect of it um they don't obviously you don't give away your tips and tricks but they don't do the first time bear hunter license. Oh, they don't? No. Oh, son of a bitch. Oh, well. It's still not that much money. If no. you're going to take the effort to put in, get your preference points for five, six years, uh, you're obviously you're going to spend the money. So yeah. it's not that much. No. It's really not that much. That's like one quality fishing rod right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> Damn, those things are expensive. Now that I said it like that. Anyways, back to bear hunting before I get too depressed on how much money I've spent on fishing gear. Um, how you run your baits. Is there, like, actually, let's go back even basics. Like, for somebody that's going to, like, DIY a bear hunt, like, they're going to go and go into the woods. They got Their uncle called and said, hey, I got, you know, you want, I got a bear problem. You want to come up and hunt bears on my property? I got. 250 acres you can hunt this person doesn't know anything about first thing about bears they walk into the woods what are they looking for bear shit well food sources the number one thing you got to look for if you ever want a bear hunt is you got to find a good water source whether it's a a beaver dam or a creek or you know anything like that or even a halfway decent swamp that's got some decent water in it you gotta find a place you want standing water not just like a cattail marsh yeah swampy well they like that too you know they like to get rid of some of that excess hair i mean they'll go through that's why they can slick through them all they're so fast that it's almost like a big brush for them you know they they get out all the loose stuff and uh but water, water, water is huge. You know, I've I've had people call and say, "Well, Joe, I set this bear bait up and say it was on top of a kind of a high knob, and but we can't get them to come in during the daytime." I said, "Well, 
It's because if you're 400 pounds and you wear a two and a half inch black jacket, <laughs> you, you're not going to be covering a lot of dry ground in the middle of the That's day. That's a good point. Yeah. So you got to have a good a good water source. Um, if you can find if you can find an oak stand, you know they they love acorns too. Um, that's always a good place to kind of set up. Hunting near cornfields, well, it's kind of like the deer. You know, they will they can submerge themselves in the corn, and how they say about deer living in the corn, bear can do the same thing. Uh, that's more challenging. I learned that. Like, I had no idea. I actually learned it on accident. We were goose hunting, and cross field was a corn field. The farmer comes out, and we were kind of parked in, like, this field access. We're like, oh, shit, let's, we got to go move the – and it wasn't the farmer's land we were hunting. It was, like, the cross street was a different farmer than where we were hunting. So we're like, oh, let's get our cars out of the way. And so he strikes up a conversation. He's like, oh, you guys hunting? Yeah, we're hunting. So you bear hunters? I'm like, no. And I, at that point, I was, like, bear curious. <laughs> I was, like, thinking maybe, you know, like I'd like to try my hand at bear hunting at some point. And he's like, so you can hunt here. I said, they're destroying my corn. I was like, what? He's like, oh, yeah. He, like, walked us in, and it was like alien crop circles, dude. Like, unbelievable. And he was like, yeah, they get in here, and they just, like, job of the hut, dude. They just sit down. They lay down. They got cover. Yeah, and they just sit there and pull the corn down, eat it when they – can't reach any more corn stalks and roll down the line a little bit and pull down some more. Like there was like 50 by 50 yard circle of corn just gone. I mean, um, and then he's got patches like that all over his fields. I was like, unbelievable. And one thing he was saying is that they only really like it at a certain milk stage. That's when they really hit it. Right. Right. So it's like, wow. I, I it's like this was like you know, even then I'd like to think that I was fairly well versed in most thing outdoorsy you know stuff you know reading like those old magazines you were showing us for fishing game and sports field and field and stream outdoor life I've read all those things growing up you know thought I knew a thing or two Ned never heard of that well. I'd never heard of agriculture bear damage like I. That just blew my mind. Yeah. Of course, I tried hunting there, and I didn't see shit. But <laughs> I, don't know what, I don't know what the half hole is doing. <laughs> it's like threw some apples out the guy had some apple trees. I don't even know if bears eat apples. I threw apples out there. I didn't see it. I put cameras up. I didn't see it. Never saw a bear. Not once. Well, it gets when you're hunting next to a cornfield, though, you got to remember until that corn gets cut off, yeah, I mean, he's got acres and acres and acres and acres and acres of the food he wants. Yeah, and he can come in there at night. He knows that it's there. It's not like you're setting a bait down and, you know, if you got X amount of bears coming in and the bait's going to be gone, so it kind of pushes him a little more to come in a little bit earlier when that cornfield is there. And he feels most safe at night, so he's going to come in, and he could even just be sleeping in the corn and you wouldn't know it. So Right, yeah. 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 So hunting next to a cornfield's awfully tough. Don't. I mean, it. You can set some kind of something different, you know, that might be a novelty for them. But I think if you ever were to hunt any cornfields, I 
I think what I simply would do is, if you could see down far enough, I think I'd just set up on one, like the wood side, obviously, of the of the corn and and just watch an alleyway between the corn and the woods and have them cross. You know, Boy, you'd have crossing. to have some laser focus for that. Yeah. My, my, my mind doesn't laser focus. I'd be daydreaming. <laughs> Miss that. Yeah, for oh, a second. Sure. Like, that, did I just see something? Right, right. Oh, I got a Facebook notification. What was that again? <laughs> yeah, so that's not going to work for me. I'm going to need a bait stand. <laughs> For sure. So that kind of got me fired up, though. So then the next year, and I had an uncle that lived up there, and he had some woods. And my cousin had shot a bear, I think, that the year before when I kind of stumbled upon that information. And he'd shot a little bear. I'm like, well, I'm going to bear hunt with you next year. Screw it. So, like, I went up, like, I was going up every other day after work, just putting on miles and refreshing bait, you know. And I think you'd have three bait stands per license in Minnesota. And so I'm just getting donuts. I'm getting whatever I can to go to the get the stuff they throw away from like the like tasty bakery or whatever. You know, get the old honey buns and this that. You know, whatever I could find. I didn't have a ton of money to throw in the stuff, and it was like I didn't prep for it. Let's put it that way. Because I know a lot of people start pre-buying their bear bait that are you know a month or if not more than when the baiting season starts. Of course, I waited till like, oh, baiting season starts. I went to go try to find bait, and they're sold out. Like, ah, oh, shit. Yeah. Um, but I was getting I was getting bears on my cameras, though. I mean, a lot of them at night, but I did have one real big one. He was, he was there at, like, 1.30 in the afternoon, 3.30 in the afternoon. It was the same bear. And then I thought, oh, this is guaranteed. Um golden and he's getting there early i gotta i gotta get there early until september 1st rolls around i'm in that stand at like noon sweat my balls off getting destroyed by mosquitoes nothing didn't see anything never saw that bear again on camera so i don't know if i pushed him out or maybe somebody else shot him that morning or just the pressure of people hitting the woods changed everything but i never saw him again yeah. i continued to have bears on camera at night but yeah, so it was was working as far as like getting bears on camera, but did not result in. I will say this: I'm not somebody that's like gets real nervous about bears. I've seen. I used to live in Orr, Minnesota, and there's bears there. We used to go to the dump and watch them, and you know, I, bears don't freak me out. Like see a bear, I'd be like, oh, cool bear. But the first time hunting one, and you hunt till dark. And you climb out of that stand, you got to walk back to your truck <laughs> after you have literally gone out of your way to attract predator. <laughs> I was like, this is a new feeling. I don't, I don't get this when I leave the deer stand, even though I know bears are around. You right. know, it's like, I'm, you're, you're, you're on more alert when, oh, yeah. when you're walking back to the truck after a bear hunt than versus a deer hunt. That was kind of, that was a weird kind of sensation or or emotion like a slime. this is hmm, no how i feel about this and you <laughs> and you get a lot of that in camp too and then there's been times i'll get calls or texts from guys and you know especially if it's a sow with some cubs and she won't let them out of the tree and then i gotta go in and get them and oh that would suck well usually when you go in there um i make quite a bit of noise or mm -hmm. depending on the stand that i got you know she hears a four-wheeler coming or whatever and she'll She'll do her grunts to her cubs, and they kind of skedaddle. They know it's time to go, and 
So I always respect the bear. I mean, I don't, I don't take anything too light with them, but no, I go in there and, uh, and get, get whoever's in a tree out and I got to smile all the time because it's like, boy, I'm sure glad to see you. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's good. Like, yeah, what do you do? You're in a stand and there's two cubs in the next tree over. You're like, I ain't getting down. Yes, yeah. I'm sleeping here tonight. No way in hell I'm touching the dirt with cubs in the area. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, like, black bears don't make me nervous. I mean, I, I know, you know, generally they don't want anything to do with you. They smell a human and they take off running, you know, long before you even know they're there. But when there's babies involved, that's an entirely different situation. Yeah. Yeah, no, but that would make me nervous. Yeah. <laughs> Most of your stands in trees? Or do you have some on the ground? Oh, I got a variety uh, because I don't know who I'm going to have every year. So a lot of my stands are pretty versatile, either for bow or, or with a gun. Um, as far as ground blinds and or tree stands, it's probably, I've probably got uh, 70% tree stands and 30% on the ground. Um, I've got some that are closer. Some guys want to try to you know, shoot one with archery and they want to be on the ground. They want a little bit. So everybody's a little bit different, but most of my ground blinds I'd have to say, uh, are with the rifle or a muzzle loader. So, I mean, with that being said, it's not like I have a bait that's a hundred yards away because it's so leafy up here. You can't see very far. So a, a, a rifle shot would probably be, you know, 45, 50 yards max. I mean, um, my bow shots are all 20 yards or less. I always make sure that, uh, my tree stands are from 12 to 14 feet high. I don't, I don't do the nosebleed stands. We try to, cause you want to double lung that bear. Um, yeah. And you start getting that extreme angle. You're going to oh, yeah. clip one of them. Yeah. And if you don't hit a bear right, I mean, and they plug up so fast with fat, it it's literally a bear trying to find them, you know, get a little speck here and a little speck there. And I, uh, I track a lot of bear at night. Uh, that's gotta be an interesting, <laughs> <laughs> no, that's gotta be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, so it's 70 or 75 degrees outside. Um, uh, the guy shoots the bear in legal shooting hours and I get there and, Pretty soon it gets dark, and that bear is like a big septic tank, you know, with all that hide and that fat. I mean, they'd they'd go bad overnight. I mean, right. I mean, there's yeah. times when I back off. I mean, it, you got to use your head a little bit too. But yeah, you leave an animal like that overnight, and um, he's not going to be any good the next day. Then the hide yeah. slips on it, and then now the hide's not even any good, and the hair's falling out. And, no, I always, um, I I don't, I like it when they drop them right on the bait. I'm always happy oh, yeah. about that. <laughs> but, you know, I it's just my responsibility to do whatever I can to make sure that we can retrieve the bear. I mean, that's all. Do you get more gun hunters or bow hunters? All depends. Every year is a little bit split. different. Crossbow guys, I've got muzzleloader guys. I Pistol? Get a, yeah, pistol, few pistol. Um, At laddles? 
It was spear. Yeah, nobody jumping out of the trees yet. Uh, but no, it, it, it really does depend. Now, like this year, I've actually got more gun hunters than bow hunters. Last year, I'd say it was about 50, 50. So it is. It's all over the board. You know, I, um, I, I'm a, I, I'm a bow guy. I just, I don't know, I've watched those hunting videos and shooting a bear with a gun. You're just like, nah, whatever. But lacing one of them things with the, I don't know why. Like, I mean, honestly, I mean, I know why I like it. It's exciting, but it's like, I also like bear meat. So it's, you know, I, I wrestle with that in my mind all the time. It's like, well, what's more important? You so, want to fill the freezer or do you want it like, then you should use a gun. Like, it's the same it. reason you haven't shot a turkey with a gun. That's exactly the same reason <laughs> I haven't shot a turkey with a gun because it's too fucking easy. Yeah. Like, yeah. I would. So you were saying before you had some stands that are pretty accessible, pretty easy to get to. I do. Yeah. I, um, I try to detail it so I can accommodate everybody. Uh, actually, uh, I'm a lifetime member of the CTO club. It's challenge the outdoors. They're actually based out of green Bay. Um, that explains a lot. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Continue. (laughs) Just green Bay. This is a football joke. Oh, okay. I forgot I'm in Wisconsin. (laughs) Be careful. (laughs) <laughs> no, I uh, actually set up a really nice blind for the special needs kids. Or if I have a, a fella or older lady, I've never had an older lady on oxygen actually hunt here, to be honest. But, you know, it's mostly older guys on oxygen. And I've got a place for them set up that they can come and uh, I can accommodate people that are in wheelchairs. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, I figured I'd... You know, you try to give back a little bit to them. People, a lot of times they got to take the back seat because people don't want to take the time out for them. And so I do what I can to make make people happy, and I, I've always been that way. I, I am a people pleaser. And uh, Well, that's a good trait to have as a guide, yeah. I would think. Well, I go the extra mile, too. I mean, there's a lot of things that I know that I wouldn't need to do. Um I mean, I'm constantly working on these stands or I'm constantly scouting. You know, as soon as the snow leaves, April, May, first part of June, I'm working on stands. I'm setting cameras out, seeing if there's something new. I try out a lot of a lot of new different areas. Some pan out. Some look really good, but they never pan out. You know, you, you sift through all that before everybody comes. And there's a lot more work involved to it than what people realize, especially if you want to have an operation where you have yeah. repeat customers coming all the time. Well, I think that's a good a good conversation, too, as far as just leading into, like, um, just the baiting. Because a lot of people that don't know, you know, like, oh, you bait bears or, like, you're hunting over bait. Like, that's not how that's not even hunting. It's like, bro, if you think you're just going to come up here and hang a stand on a game trail and see a bear like you see a deer, it ain't going to happen. I mean, I live my life in the woods pretty much, even the summertime foraging mushrooms or whatever you never see bears ever i don't think i've ever seen no no i've never seen a bear in the wild just being out just fishing see one on shore you know like briefly because it's like as soon as they feel you looking at them they're like oh shit you got me and they take off running into the woods you know it's like if you didn't bait here and i know it's different in the western states because some western states it's illegal to bait right but out there it's all spot and stock i mean there's no trees you sit on a hillside and you glass for hours on end and 
you know, you find your bear and yeah. if they're close enough, you put a you put the moves on them. But you're not spotting stocking shit. <laughs> well, like you said before, you you can't everywhere. see a hundred yards of this. Yeah, place. I mean, it's like it's just not gonna happen. No, like it's not, and, and even then, it's not a guaranteed thing. You look at your trail cam pictures, and everything. Look, bears are hitting them at night. They're they're coming in when you can't do anything about it, anyways. Right. So I mean, right. you're barely, uh, no pun intended, putting the odds in your favor with bait. Like you're just giving yourself a little bit of a chance. Well, and that, and that's all it is, you know that. People think because you put a bait out there, they're just going to automatically come in. Well, them bears been eating acorns before the gummy bears were invented, right? Right. I mean, they really don't need to have that bait. It's a convenience for them. It's, yeah, certainly there's, I'm sure, things in there that they like. But when it boils down to it, uh, they get some inkling that something's wrong. They can turn into a night runner so fast, make your mm-hmm. head spin. So... And they're a solitary animal. I mean, how many deer do you see? Well, obviously, um, there's more deer than bear, but I don't know about that in Wisconsin anymore. But, uh, you know, you <laughs> you see the deer crossing the highways all the time. How many how many bear do you ever really see cross yeah. the highway? You, you don't. Do, you don't. What did we see, 20, 20 deer in yeah, our We saw a lot of deer drive. on the way up. A lot yeah. of deer. Some pretty good-sized does, though. Mm-hmm. Pretty impressed. Yeah, they, like you just wouldn't. And there's another ethical aspect of it too that that bait gives you is you get a chance to get a good look at that bear and, and a, see and if a it's, good any, shot. it's got cubs with it. Right. Judge no. the size of it. You know. Yeah, it's it's you have chance to wait for a good shot, so you have a good ethical shot placement. Like there's there's definitely a lot to be said for the ethical, um, you know, ironically the ethical argument for hunting over bait. Which I mean, some people could say the same for deer, but then, you know, doesn't seem to be there's a CWD for bear running rampant out there either. So you got to right. throw that into the mix. Right. Um, well, you need some sort of management on them. I mean. Yeah, you can't just let them run wild. I mean, I don't know how New Jersey does it. Like New Jersey has like the highest bear density, like per capita, anywhere in the lower 48, and I don't. I think bear hunting is still banned. It's like they they get a season for a while and then the, the antis throw some bill in there and it gets shut down and it's like oh my god you guys are crazy yeah no in today's society what we live in now you have to have some sort of management on every we just don't it's not back in the day where you had all the environment you had I mean even look where you guys live I remember going down thirty five and Forest Lake and Wyoming and I mean even back like say 1984 um, I used to go down get my sister and bring her back home and I drive down and there are so many things going up down there now, oh you know yeah, I remember when, I, when we first moved to Rosemount Minnesota from Orr so that was a bit of a culture shock from the you know Orr to the suburbs of the Twin Cities but even then the first townhome association we lived in was like right on the edge. Like we were three sides surrounded by corn and soybeans. Yeah. That's all houses now. Yeah. And so now it's definitely for, changed. As far as you can see, it's Lost development world. after development after development after development. I mean, there's no farmland in around Rosemont hardly at all till you get it 
till you get way out closer to Coates, you know, like it's crazy. Like yeah. it's, yeah, it's nuts. But and then, yeah, the more we sprawl out, the more we are going to impede on their territory and going to have more run-ins. Right. And, and I don't care how much of an animal rights activist you are. Once they start breaking into your house and, you know, causing you problems, then suddenly the government needs to do something about this. Well, we've been trying. We have this thing called a hunting season, but you keep shutting it down. So, right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> sorry, even, not sorry. Even out in the middle of nowhere over at the cabin, the guy that owned the place before Joe, he had a bear. He left his window down in his little Subaru and he had a bear in his Subaru and uh, I think he had one wrapper in there that he left in there and he had bear just crawled in one day and was hanging out just ripped the shit out of his car yeah Yeah. it's amazing how freaking strong those things are Mm -hmm. dude when they want to move something they just move it that is unbelievable like it's nothing so I've been looking at your pictures like how you run your baits you do the like um I don't see barrels. You do more of the hollowed out log. Right, yeah. It's, thing. You can't use a barrel. Well, you can't use barrels no. in Minnesota or in Wisconsin. Oh, no. okay. I didn't know that. I talked to the warden about that. I said, you know, it would make it a lot easier for guys to kind of judge a bear. And he said, well, the problem with that, Joe, is people get all gun ho to hunt a bear. And so they go out and they set everything up. And then they shoot their bear and leave. And then they end up leaving a the barrel there. And all it is, Wisconsin, they're. It's the litter factor. You know, they don't want all these barrels laying around all over the place. And I, I, I can see that. So what I try to do at my baits is in the spring, I'll paint a, like a pink line on some trees. Uh, when, the, when the bear comes in, obviously, on all fours, and if his back reaches that, he's a good bear. I, I try different things. You know, that that adage about using that four-foot pole and, or a four to five foot pole, and if you know they kind of measure up to that. Well, every time I ever wanted to use that, the pole was facing the other way. So all I seen was <laughs> the end of it, and yeah, I couldn't measure. So that's I I go with the lines, and it seems to help quite a bit. Um, I've but, always been told it's like the the ears can tell you a lot, like the the relative size of the ears to the head. Any truth to that? Well, you look at that picture I got on the refrigerator there. Now, the way that I do it is the distance between the ears, if it, if it's the same distance between the ears and the nose, makes a equal-sided triangle, you got yourself a real nice bear. Okay. That smaller bear you see on the left side, it's more like a German Shepherd. Yep. It's more pointy. And I'll tell you what, that really seems to be the ticket. You know, everybody's got their thing, tall bear, short bear, uh big ears little and there is something to the ears but that distance between the ears and the nose if that gets to be more of a equal sided triangle you got yourself a nice bear well from what i understand like their ears don't really get bigger as they get older so it's like if they look if the ears look small it's because their head right is bigger it's like their head so, grows yeah, so into if you their see ears. your typical teddy bear looking bear out there eh, it's probably not a very big bear right you know right he looks like he has giant ears but if his ears looked really small they're probably the same size as that other bear he saw but he's got more head and body around him so they just appear smaller but uh, the triangle thing i never really seen that that's a good that's a good visual yeah it's uh in the crease in the forehead too i'm kind of 
I don't know. I'm kind of tore up on that a little bit because I've seen smaller headed bear with that crease. But they say that the older ones are supposed to. Oh, like right in the, the top of the head there where it kind of. Right. A little bit bigger muscles maybe right. kind of form that. Right. Crease. Yeah. So, but the triangle thing is what I really use. And, and when I put the lines up, usually my lines are about 32 inches. Because the third, uh, you measure a barrel and um, I think it's a third ring. I'd have to look at a barrel again, but it's around 33, 32 or 33. And that's where I measure. And if he comes in on all fours and he reaches that height, he's, he's a pretty decent bearer. Do you so. put anything like up up the tree just to get them to try to stand up, like see if they can reach, you know, dangle a donut off of some fishing line or uh, something? <laughs> just to see. I don't. I don't do. If he can reach that, that's a good one. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> I use hickory smoke and anise. I make up my own, my own uh, anise mixture there, and I'll, I'll kind of, sp I'll spray it on. You know, maybe there's a knot hole in the tree or something, and I'll spray some in there so it lasts a bit longer, so the rain don't wash it out. Um, I don't really monkey around with too many ropes or strings out there hanging stuff up because they pull it down and. Pretty soon that's laying around somewhere too, and I I don't want some animal getting tangled up with that or, or eating on that and, and uh, but yeah I I get pictures of them standing up all the time and they're checking out. A lot of times they'll stand up before they get to the bait because they want to see. Yeah, they're making probably looking for a bigger bear, making sure the coast is clear. Yeah, so. But I, I've seen that in some videos too, where they're like, watch that bear, and if that bear comes in and he looks nervous, even if it looks like a bear that you might might be in your mind a shooter, but it's looking real nervous and keeps looking over his shoulder, like we might just want to wait a little bit because that might be an even bigger one that's that right. he's that he knows is in the area and he's worried about it. Right. Yeah. No. That that statement is is true. I mean, that's always a. A standard thing what you do when you're sitting on a bait like that and you, you never i don't it's what i tell everybody too wait till that bear comes in and starts working the bait don't even with a rifle hunter and as much as i tell people you know some people don't listen but they think they're going to pull up on that bear and, and knock him down before he gets to the bait they're so wired up they're so keyed up because they're looking for anything that's out of place and they turn around and they can take off so fast and make your head spin. And I mean, I've had a number of people tell me, I said, well, you got to wait till they got to get into the bait. The bear my cousin shot, he shot it with a handgun and he was down out of his stand taking a piss. I think he was actually in a ground blind, but he wasn't in his blind or in his stand. He was taking a piss or something. And he, I don't know if he heard something or saw, saw something, but he looks down the trail and there's bears standing up looking at him and the bait. And he's like, he just dipped around the tree he was by and got his gun out because he didn't know what was going on. And that bear just bum-rushed and bum-rushed the uh, bait pile. Just shoved his face like, I'm going to get as much food in here as I can, as fast as I can. And that person's right there. And he's like, bang. <laughs> he's like, got my bear. Sweet. Wow. <laughs> so I suppose they, as soon as they get there and start eating, they kind of relax a little bit. They do because they kind of gone through their thing of looking around and seeing if there's any danger anywhere, if there's a bigger bear or, you know, they, they feel comfortable, you know, and then they'll lay down, they'll start eating and, and, uh, 
yeah, then if if they do hear a noise, you know, they're they're a pretty good detector on what's going on. I mean, you watch oh. them; they keep looking towards the same spot. Well, you better more than likely get ready because something else is going to happen. So, yeah, it's um, well, they smell better than a dog, yeah. which is crazy. Yeah, without if, a if you doubt. think about it, like this allegedly they smell way better than a dog yeah. like they're supposed to have one of the best noses in the woods like not only can they smell what was there but how old like when it was there like when you walk by and they're like well that's a person but it's been 18 hours since he was here so we're good it's like what <laughs> like that's just nuts yeah they they said that a bear can smell and I don't know how they figure that out. But, yeah, I don't. I mean, but they they, they figure seven nose or something. Seven times stronger than a bloodhound. That's crazy. So, and so that brings me into um, a question or a controversy. So there seems to be two camps of of bear hunters: those that manage their scent, like deer hunters, try to not leave any scent, and those that are like they're gonna smell you anyways. Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> Like I'm the kind that I subscribe to the theory I do because going off of they have this great nose on them that you're probably not going to trick. I think you're better off like letting them know you're there and letting them know that you're the one that brings the goodies. (laughs) So it's like when they know you're in the woods, they're like, all right, dinner time, fresh, fresh ho-hos. Yeah. Well, that's okay. If you're, if you're baiting and you're hunting the, the thing yourself, um, so what I go by is, you know, when I bait these stands and it's August sometime and the deer flies and the horse flies that are following you by the, by the Oof. groups. And, and by the way, if you want to out, outrun a, a deer fly, I actually monitored that. If you go 32 <laughs> miles an hour on your four wheeler, you can lose the swarm. I, yeah, oh it's 32. It's 32 right is on. the magic it, it, number. It is. Yeah. I've tested that time and time again, but, um, 31, they're right there. 32, that's 31, 31. They'll hang on. So, uh, that's depressing. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, you're not going to outrun them too far, but uh, no, I've done that on foot before. Like you, they just drive you nuts and you take off running. And as soon as you stop, it's like, they just re-overtake you you're like oh my god yeah you're not gonna get away so but when i go bait these stands i use a lot of i put deed on when i go and you know i'm sweating pretty good because you know it's 80 degrees outside you're carrying humid and humid and you're carrying a 40 pound bucket full of goodies and you know you're doing that time and time again and but it's it's like a fox trapper told me once he said joe he said it's 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 not that the fox doesn't think that you know the fox knows that you've been there and you're exactly right on the scent thing it's the matter of how long ago has it been so what i tell everybody is listen you can wear the the bugs usually aren't too bad up here in september but i mean a head net throw it in your pocket if, if you you know, instead of you batting your face all the time, I'd rather have you wear that and, and just kind of calm down. I think movement is huge. Movement is just, like, way huge. And uh, But as far as, as the scent goes, you know, I just tell everybody, try to stay reasonably clean. 
you don't, you know, some guys, like you said, they do the whole nine yards. Everything's in a rubber tote. And right, yeah. You don't even breathe on it. You know, you're chewing the evergreen gum or whatever they come up with. <laughs> it's like, uh, yeah, just, and just try to um, keep yourself re- relatively clean and uh, sit there and be quiet. And, uh, and hopefully he'll come in because they're always going to circle you. And uh, we provide the anise and the hickory smoke uh, for an attractor and uh, and for the scent. They're used to that. They'll come in and uh, but just staying motionless, I would say, is probably the number one. You know, you start playing Candy Crush on your phone and <laughs> you get all excited, moving around, and that bear sticks his head out and. They say that bears can't see very well. Well, it's not; they're not blind. Right. You know, I mean. Yeah. I'm they, sure they can see movement. Oh. I mean. Well, and they can back right in. They can back right in the woods and just walk away, and you wouldn't even know that they were there. I mean, I've actually had that happen to me, and it's like I've had so many people come and say, Boy, Joe, we looked over here, and then we looked, and there the bear was staying. We didn't even hear them come in, and they are a very quiet yeah, animal. Yeah, I hear that all the time. Like, these things can just, they just walk right in. You, like, don't, they hardly ever make a sound. Right, right. Well, they got those big padded feet. I mean, I'm sure they know how hard to step on something and where to step. And Well, you know. you're in your backyard, you know. They're, they're there 24 hours, and... uh they're out there surviving every day, you know. They're a person doesn't realize, you know. You think you have a bad day and go home and have a Krispy Kreme and complain about how bad your day was. It's like, yeah, I don't think people give the animals enough credit, really, when you think about it. Even when I go out in the brush and I look around, and even a deer, you know, they talk about woody brows and. It's like a well, uh, that, that bear doesn't have the option of hopping on a four wheeler and driving thirty two miles an hour to escape that swarm of deer flies. They no. just got to endure it. Yeah, I've seen videos of bears like up in Alaska though, when the like the black flies are like real bad. Like they just go nuts. Like all of a sudden he'll just he'll just howl and take off running. Yeah, like it just even they lose their mind. Can yeah. you imagine how bad it must be for a bear to just lose his mind because of bugs? Jesus. That's crazy. <laughs> Got to take a phone call. We'll just pause it. Pick right. it up later. What were we on again? I don't remember. Bear hunting, I think. I think we're talking about bear hunting. What were we talking about? <laughs> I don't we're remember. About bait? No. We did the bait thing. All um, about the, the scent control. Oh, yeah. I yeah. think that's what we're on. Yeah. So you don't really do much. You just kind of. I tell everybody to stay reasonably clean because, you know, everybody's cleanliness level is always at a different degree, just like different people. You know, you got some guys that are gun-ho and they have uh, their carbon suits and they do this and they do that and everything's washed in a certain wash. And I just tell everybody, you know, just stay reasonably clean. Use uh, the rubber damn boots. shower house. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Don't yeah. don't go all five days without showering. Please just take it and in. That and has shower. nothing to do with bear hunting. I just don't want to smell you. That's it. That's it. Uh, knee high rubber boots are always good. Um, yeah, and I tell if the bugs are really to that point, 
put a little bit of deed on. I don't, you know, don't soak your head in it, but, you know, put some on and get a little relief because the bears are used to smelling that with me. So. You use thermocells at all? Do you have an opinion on those? That's the way you roll is your eyes. I assume you do. It's kind of, <laughs> well, it's half and half. I got guys that really like them and they say that, you know, it doesn't seem to affect a bear. And then I got some other guys that absolutely won't use them. So I haven't personally used one myself. So I can't really put a judgment call on that yet. I think they work, in my experience, not for bear, but I mean for deer hunting, (coughs) deer don't seem to react one way or another. I mean, they've never been attacked by anything that smells like a thermocell, so it's not like a smell that's, you know, wired into them. But it does do well with mosquitoes. I don't think it affects deer flies at all. So if the deer flies are on you, you're better off with a deet or a head net. I've found, like, in the summertime, especially when I'm out in the woods looking for shrooms, like it's head net's the only way to go. Yeah. I don't care how hot it is, full sleeve, canvas shirt, gloves, head net, or you're going to get destroyed. Right. Any bit of exposed flesh or even thin clothing against flesh is going to get annihilated. Yeah. I don't yeah. care how much deet you put on. Like it just, no. they just, flies are different than skeeters. Things are relentless. No, I'm always wearing, you know, it's kind of old-fashioned, but I wear them dicky, long-sleeve shirts. I get it, and I'm a little bit bigger guy, but I get it in the tall sizes, and it just covers everything. I don't really care what, what I look like, but it it works really good against the flies and the brush and everything. I mean, it's just, yeah, just to have that little added on, even though it gets real hot, uh yeah, that's... and much as I hate to be hot, I, I hate to be eaten alive worse. So yeah. it's definitely the lesser of two evils walking for sure. around fully covered, being a little hot and uncomfortable than for sure. Just getting destroyed by flies. You can't concentrate. I mean, you no. can't do it. Like you can't. It's just too distracting. Yeah, you're constantly swatting, and you know when you're sitting there and you think absolutely nothing is going on, that there isn't anything around here within miles, and you end up doing something that you shouldn't have done, and all of a sudden, bang, there, there are the bears standing either looking at you or he's just walked in and takes you by surprise. And like I said, they come in so quiet. That, uh, do, you, um, do you do morning sits too? Or is it just more primarily an evening thing? And I've always thought it was just an evening thing. But like um, Doug Glimmerbean from the SmackDown Outdoors podcast, when he went on that bear hunt last year, he – he shot his in the morning. I was like, really? He went out in the morning? He's like, yeah, he sat in the morning. I'm like, I didn't think anybody sat in the morning for bear. Yeah, so how I approach that. Um, so we start off in the afternoons. And I know that it happens every year. Um, I'll have somebody that will shoot a bear out of a stand and Say it's a smaller one or a medium one, and I'll set the camera back up, and if I still got bear coming into that bait, uh, you know, on a, on a regular basis, or they're coming in, still coming in during the daytime, what I do, say somebody's really crunched for time and they have to head home, so I try to double their hunt time. So what I'll do is I'll take this person and I'll put them in that stand in the morning. So there's a couple things going to happen. Um 
the guy's going to go in a stand. Now, you got to remember, most of these are only 20 yards or 30 yards at the most. You're trying to get into a spot where you got a bait site. And again, like I said, if you're 400 pounds and wear a two-inch black jacket, you want to walk around more at night than you right. do during the day. So you pop in there and you get in a stand. You might bust that bear out of there. But then on the other hand, if you can get in there and he's not around, you may shoot yourself a really nice bear in the morning. So, but say if the stand does get busted, well, there's nothing wrong with that already. One person got their bear off of that stand and you tried it in the morning, but you're saving your stand for the afternoon. That's the only time I'll ever put anybody on, on a stand that somebody else has already been on. That's, I use them for the mornings. So, okay. you know, and I always tell them, do not go in there. If you think you're going to walk in there when it's still dark outside with your pen light and think you're going to get in without being unnoticed. Detected, yeah. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're, you, yeah, you're really mistaken because it ain't going to happen. You won't even know if that bear was even there. Right. So, depending on the stand, I say, you know what, go in right at first light. When you see down to the bait, take your time walking there because you very well might just catch them right on the bait. You don't see anything, get up in your tree, sit there for however long. And that's what I tell everybody else. Well, Joe, when should we go out? You got guys that can sit all day. You got guys that can't make it for two hours. So I always tell them you can't kill anything in camp. So, but as long as you can stay halfway quiet and motionless sit there as long as you want to sit there well like i said when i had my cameras up i was having that big bear was hitting my bait at 1 30 in the afternoon i mean the sun's at its highest i mean it's it was hot He's he was out probably camping out not know? very far away yeah i'm guessing he wasn't too far from where i set up didn't yeah. do me any favors but whatever i mean yeah. he was there <laughs> yeah i mean we as we, of the day before after i pulled my card i'm like that motherfucker was here at 3 30 yesterday Right. God damn it. Yeah. No, we've killed bears 10, 30, 11 o'clock, 1 o'clock. You know, it's it's what I tell everybody, too. I said, listen, you waited six, eight years to get a tag. You're here for five days. Long as your back and hinder can handle it, go sit in a tree. Yeah. You know, go get okay. put your time in because. Well, there's something to be said about hanging with the guys at bear camp, too. You know, I mean, it's it could be a this could be an escape for some people. Like this is just their time to run away from reality or the wife or you know whatever. Yeah, well, and that's true, and that's where again, um, so the way that I look at camps and and things. I mean, when I was younger, we used to do deer drives, and there'd be thirteen, fourteen guys and older guys you kind of looked up to, and. You know, even back then, everybody was busy with work. But when deer camp came, everything got shut off, and that's what you did. You know, you didn't have a time schedule. You didn't have, and everybody got together, and, and it was a nice time. And, and so what I try to do at camp here, um, as as we go along in the future, and more people are texting and People are working well now with the COVID things different, but I mean, people are more isolated. They don't have, well, and actually, I guess the COVID with the COVID thing has even made it worse. Um, 
but at camp here, what I try to do is when you look around, I have a lot of different things that you normally would not find in a camp. And a lot of these people like the bear traps and, you know, like Mike and I, we were going through them old fur fish and game magazines with the black bears on it, you know, from 1927 till now and all the different things, even the, the, the signs and the pictures and, uh, the wolf traps I got up in each corner, you know, them aren't just your ordinary kind of them. Them are all new house traps or they're back from the day. And I try to capture them and it's getting to be where people are, are liking the camp atmosphere. And I believe you are right. That, that is a huge part of everything. So and if it's hot and the bugs are bad and you're not seeing a thing and you don't have a high confidence, but you're like, you know, I could go back and crack a beer and play some cribbage. Right. With the, with the boys. Yeah. Oh, and I saw like, a horseshoe pit out there. And yeah. There's, there's definitely stuff to do. Yeah. Maybe tell everyone what you got at what camp is, you know, is that included amenities? with their yeah, amenities and what you mentioned? It's a five day trip. Tell them what all they get with their trip. Okay. Well, I, what I offer is uh, a five-day hunt, and and you can extend that. Um, what I, if you want to stay longer, uh, no red flag here. But let's just say, <laughs> let's just say that you haven't had the best of luck for some reason. You want to stay a couple extra days. I do charge uh, just for each day because I I gotta try to keep it fair for everybody. Um, if you want to stay a little bit longer, the charge is actually pretty nominal compared to what's put into it, but. Uh, Typically, what I offer is a five-day hunt, and with that, you get a main stand and a backup stand. Uh, the stand's already in place, uh, baited well ahead of time, and I help get your bear out. So that's what I what I have to offer as far as a hunt. I do have a lodging, a camp here. It'll actually, I can sleep 21 guys here. So if you're a social butterfly, it's a good place to be. Uh, all the bait is here. Everybody shows up here. Uh, after honey, we weigh the bears in. It is a nice time. It's um, it's not this big uh, drunk fest thing going on, or because I've got younger hunters that come in, and it's just all all around a good time. I, I let everybody have a good time, and yeah, have a few beers, whatever. You want to stay up late. Say you're staying at camp and you want to hang around the fire till one o'clock in the morning. It's all good. You just kind of keep it down. Let everybody else go to sleep. Um, I do know the guys, the repeat guys that I have come up. The first thing they'll ask me is if I got any spots left and if they ever stayed at camp. The next question is, oh, is there any spots left at camp? It is really, it is really uh, a, a neat experience for everybody. Yeah, so. I think that's hardwired in us. You know, gets us back to our our uh, nomadic days when we're out there running around in loincloths and you know you finish a hard dangerous hunt together with a group of people and you sit around a campfire and you know that sense of community that camaraderie i think that's a big piece of it for well, hunting for a lot of people i mean i know people that don't even that go to deer camp don't even deer hunt they stay right. they just stay back they're just there to hang out with the guys yeah yeah, I mean, no, they don't for sure. Give a shit. That like was they, half my uncles. Every time we'd go deer hunting at the cabin, half my uncles would sit in the cabin all day, and the rest of us would go out hunting. Yeah, they, I mean, they're like, whatever. Like, I'm here to. Yeah. This is fun. Yeah. Like you know, 
say off-color jokes and stuff you can't say around the women. And you Well, know, the best whatever. part is the uncles that had buy a license to try and pretend to their wives that they were actually going yeah, to right, hunting, right. not just gonna, <laughs> going up there to sit in the cabin hey, for a worth week. Worth it. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. Every single penny of it, worth it. Well, you're, get, you're probably going to continue to get calls. Yeah. Did you get a processor near here, for like when people I, get a bear? Yeah, I actually have two processors, and we can bring the bear there 24-7. So what I do with that is... One night I'll send, well, depending on how many bear we get, but one night I'll send the bears to one processor. The next night I'll send them to the other processor. Oh, okay. And then that way kind nobody gets overwhelmed. Yeah. Or, yeah, or, or well, yeah. Yeah. Could be to get too many bears at one time. And like you were saying before, the 24 hour thing is pretty important too because, you know, September still can be hot. Oh, yeah. And that fat and the fur coat thing, like you need to process those things. Yeah. Pretty and, quickly. And they do a really nice job. I mean, they, they've been doing it for a long time and, and the charges, uh, the charges, it's very reasonable. I do you mean, field dress the bears? Field dress the bears just like a deer. Just like a deer. Go yeah. and then drag the, them out. The only thing I don't do with them, uh, well, most people do them. Now, you know, if they shoot it, I have them do it. If, You know, if I have an older guy or if I have a kid that I, I definitely help him out. But, I mean, if you're 40 years old and you've hunted deer before, and I pretty much let that up to the boys, you know, unless they really got a hard time. But it is just like a deer. Uh, the only thing I don't do is I don't go all the way up, you know, I don't go all the way up to the chest on them, just depending on what kind of mount you want. But sure, I cut it enough to where you get everything out of there. And then, like I said, we get them to the processor, and either Doug and Brian starts caping them pretty much right then and there. So I let them do their cuts. And and I used to do some of that, but it just got too late at night. And then trying to take care of the baits in the morning. So I just kind of dulled that out to other sure. people. Yeah, That's part of the process. They should have to do it. Mm-hmm. You killed it. Get in there. Get your yeah. hands bloody. Let's go. Yeah, and that's the other thing, too. I'll have guys that will call and say, well, I really want to get a bear and have the hide, but I don't. You know, uh, say it's a single guy, just we'll use that for example. But I really, you know, I, I don't need the meat. or I. So the deal with that is you come up, shoot a bear, and we bring it to the processor. You, to me. you pay for all the processing, <laughs> and then that meat actually gets divided up for people who can actually use it. Nice. So that's the deal. You want to hunt here, that's, that's how that's going to fly. Do you so. get much or hear much about that, like, bear is gritty or greasy or nobody likes to eat it or i mean that's the reason i didn't bear hunt or get into bear hunting earlier because i'd heard all that stuff it's like well i don't really have that big of a hard on for getting a bear skin rug right you know so i'm not just going to kill an animal just to chalk it you know get it off the list like i I need a reason to kill this thing and then when i was at that bear camp up there on cabotogama and they made some they made some right there in the resort. It was just like pulled beef, basically barbecue or whatever. It's like, holy crap, was that good? Yeah. Like, and yeah, it was fatty. But to me, it was like, yeah, like a good beef roast should be fatty. Like, this is awesome. Yeah. I'm like, well, guess I'm bear hunting next year. This shit's awesome. Yeah. Well, it's a little different now too because most of your small, smaller dumps are closed now. It's not like you're going back in the '70s and you could watch some of the bears in the dump and they're eating trash and they're. You know, these bears get fed anything from 
natural foods, obviously, the acorns and everything to... Birds feeds, raiding people's bird feeders. Right, right. <laughs> Cookies and granola. <laughs> right. and So they're definitely a better diet. Um, and, of course, everybody is a little different. I mean, you're going to have people that don't like it and people that do like it. And depends a little bit on how you cook it, too. So you got a bunch of variables in there. But overall, um, I know one of the processors that I work with... Uh, the, he makes pastrami out of it, and it's oh, un, it is unbelievable. <laughs> I need to do that with goose breast. That's on the – I'm doing that this year. I'm going to make some goose breast pastrami. Yeah. No, it, it is unbelievable. It's be it's, good. Yeah. So – God, that sounds good. We haven't had breakfast yet. That just made me hungry. I know. I'm like <laughs> starving. I'm like, good time to start wrapping this thing up. So, obviously, because there's the preface points that we talked about, uh, people, you know, they listen to this podcasting. I'm like, I want to go hunt with Joe this weekend. No, it doesn't work that way. So if somebody wants to, like, come up here and hunt, what do they need to do? They need to start applying, getting their preference points. Right. Yeah, you start applying and getting your preference points. You don't need to pick a zone or anything. All you're doing all you're doing is applying for preference points. And, and it's like I tell everybody, when you start getting around four, um. And if you have the time, put in for a kill tag. If you don't get it, they simply just give you a preference point. But I, I will, I will give you a little tip on that. Depending on who you go with. Now, I cover a lot of ground, so the way that it works in Wisconsin, bear season always starts the Wednesday after Labor Day, always. Hmm. But, uh. The even number of years, the bait sitters go first. The odd number of years, the dog hunters go first. That's right. I wanted to, I wanted to cover that. I'm glad yep. you brought that up. So people, and I mean with, with good reason, uh, people get a little paranoid when the dogs go first because they don't want dogs running over their bait or whatever, chasing the bear through. And so you have to find somebody that doesn't have the dog pressure if you want to hunt. Um, if you want to hunt the second time around or, you know, like when you start after the dogs. So there's a certain amount of stands I won't even use for that. Um, uh, where was I going with this? Oh, however, if, like myself here, if you apply and want to hunt when the dogs go first and you want to come second when baiting starts, you can always figure on minusing one point from what you normally would have to have in order to get a bear tag because you have so many people deferring and going next year when the baiters go first that it could drop it down far enough you could get picked. So you could actually save yourself two years of waiting. Yeah, so if you're not married to the idea of I need to be there the first week of the season. Right, you might get a better chance of, of yeah. getting in. So an odd number of years, it might yeah. take less points to go, get a tag. Right. Go during the dog years. Right. And you don't do any dog hunting. I, I don't do any. No, zero. How big how, – is that a pretty big – is there a lot of hound guys in Wisconsin? Because you can hound hunt for bear? According to what I read, there's uh, 30% dog hunters and 70% bait hunters. Okay. That's so – It's kind of a lot. Really? Yeah. I mean, 
How many do you know? Like, how many dogs do they usually use on average? Like, how many dogs are they running? Well, I, th- I think legally they can run five at a time. Okay. But then you know they got extra ones in the truck. You know, because oh. ma- oh, that would be an interesting conversation. You know, any dog guys? Send them my way. I, I want to talk to one of those guys. No. That's a, that'd be an interesting. Because like in Minnesota, we can't. You can't run dogs. Right. They just legalized it now that you can use uh, tracking dogs to find wounded deer. Oh, okay. Which is like, I mean, why was that ever illegal? Like, why wouldn't you want to, any and any and all possibility of recovering that animal, I, f- I feel like, should be available. Right. Like, why do you think that thing go to waste? Like, that's stupid. Yeah. No. Um, I mean, some of the kind of the common sense things. Of course, you know, problem with that is we think that way. But sometimes you get people wanting to twist it. Oh, somebody, yeah, they're going to, some people will try to, you know, use the dog to find a deer and then claim it's, yeah. But you're going to have, I mean, those assholes are breaking the law already. I mean, I, I guarantee you. Right. It's not like because now you can track deer with the dog that that's the year they decided to start breaking game laws. Like, right. I guarantee you that person had a history of, of you know, gray areas and and breaking game laws already yeah well, those i mean people if, are just out there they're gonna do it no matter what right if yeah. they're gonna if they're gonna violate they're gonna violate yeah, yeah. That, i mean that's all there is to it yeah i uh but no that's um that's a good thing though if the dogs and one thing i noticed when i talked to walt and tom too i never actually wrote it down i should have through the years you know it's hindsight's always twenty twenty. but one day i was sitting talking with them and i says you know if I recollect, it seems as though we kill bigger bear when the dogs go first. Hmm. And I asked Tom and Walt, and Walt agreed with me, and Tom was kind of on the fence. And But I don't know if the dogs kind of boost some of these bear out of an area, and then they push them over towards us. Maybe they just shake them up a little bit, so now they got to hunt for different territory. They're used to coming to a certain territory, but they kind of got pushed out of that, so now maybe they're not as familiar with where they're at. Maybe it makes them a little more vulnerable. Yeah, and maybe. I I don't know that for a fact, but I just, you know how you kind of reach back in time and sure. kind of think about events that happened. And But no, as far as leaving like the preference points too, start when you got four years in and and find a place to go and what I tell everybody if you ever want to hunt with me the best time to call me is in October around October 1st I can uh, go over things with you see if it's something you like Um, I can I can tentatively put you down on a list when do they know when do you find out like what time do you find out if you got the right preference points well it's usually it's usually around the first week or uh, second week of February so uh, okay. that's when they'll know if the if they received a tag or so not. So that's a little tricky. You're going to set yourself a reminder like you got here. <laughs> I can, now i got to find somebody to hunt with and then contact you, wait till October to contact you is kind of So you tricky. won't start booking for next year until February? When well, people know or have you already got some people on the list for next year already? Yeah, I usually I've got people calling me for 2022 already. It's only because I know if, if they're going to have enough points, you know, now being in this new whole zone of A only, I don't know how many points it's going to take absolutely for sure because this is something new. It could be less. 
I was oh. gonna say, is there a, is there a certain point where you are like, okay, you have six, you're gonna get one? Like, is there a, a time that you is there a certain point that where you know you're gonna get one? Well, no, not necessarily. I mean, if you start getting eight points, and it's like, yeah, you're gonna end you up. You haven't with drawn yeah. one yet. You're like, I'm due. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I would think there'd be something like that at least at some point in time. Even the unluckiest of unlucky, you're gonna get drawn. Well, and, yeah, and you will because they'll just take you right off the top. You know, yeah. I mean, so there's there is gonna be a time when they pick you. It's just you just gotta have enough points. That's all. Is there? Um, can somebody with one point? Does it? Does people no. get lucky and no. just get drawn? No, you have to have a, a minimum number of points. Yeah, and what what considered. they do? So they say they have four thousand takes. So they take the 4,000 people that have the most points right off the top. So they keep swiping off the top, and then the next ones come up. Oh, okay. I got you. So it's not a lottery thing or nothing like that. It's just you accumulate enough points, you get up closer to the top. You're standing in line. Yeah. You just got to wait your turn. Yeah. I got you. Right on. Well, and how? what's the best way that people can get a hold of you? Uh, well, you can contact me or you can, uh, my website is, uh, Wisconsin Black Bear Guide Service. Um, Money. <laughs> you can, uh, the best site ever. You can actually, uh, if you Google Bear Guides Wisconsin, usually I'm on the top or I'm the second one down. Um, that's a good way. Or my phone number is, uh, 715 or you could email me too. It's simply my name. It's Joe Coleman, and it's uh, J O E K A L M O N at gmail.com. And I'll post the link on the, the show notes here to the site too. If anybody has any questions, they can just holla at you. Yeah. All right. Well, this is fun. Thanks, Joe. I appreciate it. That's right. Thanks for coming. It was nice talking with you. Yeah. life that has the stories to back it a life to be proud of it's a winchester life yeah baby six eight western oh, mule there baby right there tune in every tuesday at 7 p.m eastern on waypoint tv in wild country rules were not created by man don't miss wild country wednesdays from 7 to 11 p.m eastern presented by primos speak the language waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment